This morning, I want to give you a couple of things. If you'll smile and amen every once in a while and act like I'm making some kind of sense, we'll probably just cut it to two points today, amen? Let's look at this. Brother Gary just amen on that one. He wants to get to that buffet. It's where it is, right? This morning, let's look at this thought of convinced to encounter Christ. And we're going to take Jesus' words in verse 15 and watch how he explains to John why he needs to encounter him. So watch, if you will. The Bible says, here comes Jesus. Verse 14, John forbade him. No, 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 no. He says, I have need to be baptized of thee. Verse 15, and Jesus answering said unto him, suffer it to be so now. Now listen, it's very noble of John. He's not, I, I believe John felt he was unworthy to baptize Christ. I don't believe he was being rebellious, but watch this. Whether you're being rebellious or not, the will of God was still not being accomplished. Whether our motives may be excusable and pure on why we don't have an encounter with Christ, and it may be a legitimate reason, it doesn't matter. The will of God is still not being accomplished as long as we hesitate and excuse ourselves. Remember the Great Supper. Were those not good excuses? I've married a wife. Well, that's legit. That's real. I've bought some land. I've got all of the... Listen, it doesn't matter what our excuse is. As long as we excuse away the opportunities of God, we're going to miss out on encounters with Christ. And you'll look up one day in the end of your life, all that you have is excuses for why you didn't. But watch this. Jesus is about to tell him why he needs to do it now. And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now. Now here it comes. Watch. For thus it becometh us. Watch this. This is very important this morning. For thus it becometh us. That word becometh meaning it is fitting, it is planned. All right? You look it up in the Greek. I'm sure you don't want to, but I did just for the heck of it. And that word is prepo. It means part of the preparations. Jesus is saying this is all part of the plan. But watch this. I've never noticed this word like this before. It says, for thus it becometh who? Us. Notice he didn't say it becometh me. He didn't say it becometh you. He says, for thus it becometh us. Watch this. So the encounter with Christ that John is having is about to, watch this, associate John with Jesus. Now, this is important. I need you to hear this this morning. Jesus is telling John, John, I need you to be obedient to what I'm calling you to because this act that I'm asking you to follow through with is going to show there's a relationship to what you've been saying and what I've been planning. Number one this morning, I want you to see why you need to have an encounter with Christ this morning. The same reason he told John. For thus it becometh us, watch this, an encounter with Christ confirms our relationship with him. An encounter with Christ is going to confirm our relationship with him. Now, let me, let me prove it to you, okay? Some of you, I, don't think, I only got like two amens out of that, so that means most of you probably didn't get it. <clears throat> Let's watch verse 1. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, what is he doing? He's preparing the way of the Lord. So here's John, and John has been going here and there, the voice of one, preparing the way of the Lord. So John has been preaching about the coming Christ. 
But wait, now Christ has arrived. And now Christ says, John, you've got to suffer it to be so. Allow my will to be accomplished, for it becometh us. Here's what he's saying. You've preached about it, and now we're fixing to act upon it. And now by this action of your encounter with me, you're fixing to show everybody that I am the one that you've been talking about. Now, folks, hear me out this morning. We're really good at crying in the wilderness. Don't get me wrong. We're, we're good at it. We're really good at telling people about Christ. I told my class today, I walked in someone's door the other day, knocked on their door, walked in, and Pastor Andrews from Central Baptist Church, just come by to see you, pay you a visit. Here's what they do. This is no joke. They went, already got one. Some of you have already been there. And boy, what a blessing it is that we got folks who go out. And uh, somebody told me the other day, they ran into somebody who had four of our gospel tracts. You know, we ought to start a campaign around Hattiesburg, collect all four, right? You know, we could have a prize. You collect all four, come to our church, get a cup of coffee. No, that would be wrong, would it? I don't know. Somebody would say something wrong about it, I'm sure. But hear me out. We're good at telling people that, hey, man, Jesus changed my life. I'm saved. I'm a Christian. I have a great church home. Hey, I have a copy of the Word of God. It's great, but wait a minute. How often do we go beyond speaking about the one that we know and then acting upon it to where people can look at our life and the actions of our life and tell that person has a relationship with him? Notice he says, it becometh us. Do you know that having an encounter with Christ this morning becometh us? All right? You have an encounter with Christ. People see you and the change in your life that Jesus brings to you. It becometh us that people can tell there's something about that old boy that reminds me of Jesus. You see, that becometh us. It, fixes, it, it, it associates people with Christ. I was thinking uh, last night uh, when Leslie and I were engaged, uh, our first Christmas that we knew each other uh, before we got married, uh, I forget who bought it for each other. It was me for you or you for me, but I can't remember. Forgive me, okay? Uh, it was a Hallmark card. It's called Between You and Me. I do remember that. It was a whole section of Hallmark cards, and, and they were good. They weren't your typical roses or red, violets or blue. You know, I mean, they were good. And I'm like, man, somebody's sitting in their mama's basement somewhere writing this stuff. It's good material. And uh, I saw one, and I can't remember if you bought it for me or I bought it for you. But the card said this. It says, I love being us with you. And when I saw that, it was our first Christmas together. I said, us? You know, are we official? Like, you know, a couple? We weren't engaged yet. We got engaged in February. Yeah, us? You know, you know, at first it's just you and me, but us says relationship. Oh. It's not that I'm going to McDonald's and you so happen to be going to McDonald's too. It is we are going to McDonald's. We, us, together, same car, possibly same table. Yeah? And you're going to let me pay. You know, we're not going Dutch because Dutch always says it ain't real, Right? I'm paying for my own. It's not us. It's you and it's me. Separate. Some of you are like, what? Yeah, that's how it goes. Us. Us intimates relationship. Watch this. Here's what Jesus is saying. John, listen. Quit resisting the encounter because this encounter is going to show and prove we have a relationship. Do you know this morning, as long as we keep resisting encountering Christ, not just speaking about it, but watch this, following through in actions about it. As long as we resist that, we're missing the opportunity to show the world that we have a relationship. 
Hear me out this morning, folks. This is important. We, we have a term in our society that uh, we use a lot, the term identify. Uh, in 2024, almost said three, 2024, we use the term identify a lot. I identify as this, and I identify with that, and we identify as a lot of things. And I hate to say it, a lot of things are not true. Uh, we're living in a culture where uh, you can identify how you feel and what you want and who you are, even though it goes against what thus saith the Lord and God Almighty has prescribed. It's all about what you identify as. But here's what's sad. I wondered this morning if people could watch us in the fulfilling of the will of God, not forbidding the will of God, but the fulfilling of the will of God, I wonder if they would identify us as a Christian. You ever wonder that? Yes, we can do what verse 1 says. We can go and we can preach and we can tell. But at some point, you've got to accept the encounter with Christ and follow through with your faith and let finally some action come from what you've been preaching about. That's what's happening here with John. He's confirming the relationship. We're living in a culture where Christianity has almost just become part of our identity. You know, we're living in the South. I think we have cultural Christianity. We talk about Christ. We, we, have, we have the verses on our wall. But nothing ever really materializes out of it to confirm the relationship. I mean, we talk about it. We tell people about it. We're doing what John did in verse 1. We're telling people, hey, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. But can I ask you, have you had an enough encounter with Christ that now you are following through in the will of God that people can see, hey, there's a relationship there. There's an us there. It's not just them. There's an us there. I couldn't help but think about Moses, Exodus chapter number 34. Moses told the people he's going to go up on the mountain and meet with God. He's going to go up there and talk with God. Commune with God, hear from God. But something amazing happens in Exodus chapter number 34. When Moses comes down the mountain, the Bible says his face shone. Watch this. There was no doubt to the people that were on the ground that when Moses was up on that mountain, he was not up on that mountain alone. Why? You could confirm it all over his face that he had been up there with Jesus. Folks, can I tell you something this morning? You ought to quit forbidding having this encounter with Christ. You ought to suffer it to be so now. Why? So you can confirm your relationship with Christ. You ought to let God have his will and way. Here's John. No, no, no. I can't, I can't, I can't. And Jesus says, you've got to allow it. Why? To confirm the relationship between what? Between us. Can I ask you this? What about your life or testimony confirms there's an us? Think about that. What about your life or testimony confirms there's an us? You say, what do you mean? Well, there's things I like. Look, you don't have to know me very long to, uh, to know the football team I like and the food that I like and I don't like, Brother Richard. I mean, uh, there's a lot of foods out there that I do enjoy, but celery is just one I can't get excited about. If you get excited about celery, I don't know, man. You should come out of your mama's basement or something. And there's a great, brave world out there to experience outside of celery. But you know, not liking celery, liking Krispy Kreme, my football teams, things along that line, those are, that's Jeremiah Andrews. That's not Jesus. It's not Jesus. All right? What about you confirms it's not all about you? What about you says there's an us? Give an example. Paul, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. We know this well, but I want you to think about it in the context of this message today. Paul says, I am crucified with Christ Nevertheless, I live. 
So Paul says, I am crucified, yet I am still alive, yet not I, but Christ that liveth in me. Paul says, watch this, it's not just me, you see me, but there's a Christ that's living through me. And he wanted his life and the fulfillment of the will of God to show what? There's a relationship there. There's a relationship there. My wife loves the color pink. And, uh, you know, I'm a country boy raised on the south, end of a dirt road, and real men don't wear pink, right? Man, I remember my wife, she loved pink. She had every color pink. I thought there was one color pink. She had pink, she had our wedding picture. She had pink tennis shoes on uh, there, the wedding dress and some of the pictures. She loves pink. And Man, I bought her every pink thing. If you ever look at my wife's tackle box, we haven't fished in a long time, but my wife's tackle box, it's not based on productivity, it's based on color. Every lure she has is pink. I said, honey, that's not the way it works. That's the way it works for me. So every lure is pink. Every jig is pink. Every little feather thing is pink. Every little, everything is pink in her box. That's, that's the way she does things. Well, I'm not a, much of a pink guy, okay? I don't, I don't know if you know that, but I'm not. But man, the longer we were married, and then lo and behold, I have a little girl coming along. Man, the more time I spend around them, the more I begin to like what they like. Ventured off to Walmart. I'll never forget it. Bought me a pink duckhead polo. I just knew every independent Baptist preacher probably just struck me off the record of ever preaching for them again because it wasn't white. <laughs> yeah. You see, I, I, didn't, I didn't mind. Why? Because, boy, the longer I spent with her and the relationship I had with her and my daughter, I started wearing that pink polo to every doctor's appointment for my little girl before she was born. I don't know what happened to it. I guess I probably wore it out. I didn't mind. Why? I didn't mind letting people know there was a relationship. I got a wife who loves pink. I got a little girl. I'm a girl dad. I'm proud. I'm a girl dad. Amen? Now, hear me out. Can I ask you, what about your life says something about there being more than just your life? What about your life says there's an us, and that us is Jesus? Jesus says, John, quit resisting having this encounter. Why? Because you're about to confirm that you and I have this relationship together. When I was in high school, I had several friends who did this. I don't know that I ever did. I'm being totally honest with you today. And when I was a youth pastor, I ran into this as well. Uh, I knew guys when I was a teenager and then as a youth pastor who had imaginary girlfriends. All right? I know none of you probably ever did that, but I did. I had friends who had imaginary girlfriends. I heard a lot about them. Well, she lives in Alabama, and I met her this summer visiting my aunt, and she's a model. You know, she models clothes for this boutique, and she got accepted to Harvard at 12 and all this. And you just hear about them all the time. And, you know, as we get older, he keeps talking about Sherry. And I'm like, when are we going to meet Sherry? You know, because I want her autograph by now. She's going to be the president, no doubt. And, you know, I just keep hearing about Sherry and hearing about Sherry, or sometimes girls will do it too. And, boy, after a while, I kind of begin to wonder. Is there really a Sherry? And you've told me all about your imaginary girlfriend and maybe even cut a picture of her out of the magazine, you know, and you put it in your wallet and you're like, yeah. But man, it sure would be nice to meet her. Could it be today that we have an imaginary savior? But we tell people about it, tell people about it, tell people about it. But nothing in our life ever says there's an us. He says, look, 
Quit resisting my will. Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us. John, listen, we need to show the world that I'm the one that you've been preaching about. You've got to follow through with my will. Folks, I'm afraid today that the world is wondering about the Savior we've told him about, and we don't have an encounter with him, and we have nothing to show for what we've had to say. Acts chapter number 11, verse 26, the Bible says something wonderful about a group of people. The Bible says that they were first called Christians at Antioch. They were first called Christians at Antioch. I don't know how to interpret that any other way than this. There was a group of people The people watched them and listened to them. They were not perfect. They made mistakes. But there was enough evidence in those people's life to say, Christ. Christ. They knew this guy and who he used to be, and they see the change in his life, and they knew this woman and who she used to be, and here the seeing the change in her life. And they're saying, wait a minute, you know, there's something eerily familiar about these people. And it reminds me of Christ. Do you know what happened? That's where we got our name Christian from. Because somebody proved through the way they lived their life that it wasn't just a them, but there was an us. And the other half of the us was Jesus. Some of you older couples, and I mean this with all due respect, I really do. It's amazing. We out in town, and I hardly ever see one of you without the other one. You see one, you see the other. And some, of, some older couples I don't know, we'll go to McDonald's or we'll go to Chick-fil-A or something and you'll see this older gentleman walk in. He holds the door for her and goes over and pulls her chair out for her. I even watched one the other day open the, uh, the ketchup packets. Now, I disagree with putting ketchup on Chick-fil-A, but still, it was sweet. You know, I watched him open the ketchup packets for her and put it out and I said, man, how sweet. Their relationship is so sweet. You don't see one without the other. That's how it ought to be with us. You don't see one of us without the other. Now, folks, we're going to fail at this, but listen to me. Suffer it to be so now. Suffer means to allow. Allow it to be so now. What is the encounter with Christ? What is it that he wants to do? Allow it to be so now. Why? For thus it becometh us by living out the will of God and whatever it is that he's leading you to do is how we show the world that we belong to him and he is ours. I believe this is one of the greatest damage you can do to the cause of Christ is to live in a way that, watch this, verse 15. Suffer to be so now, for thus it becometh us. One of the dangerous, most dangerous things a Christian can do is to live a life that becomes you. You know, uh, every once in a while I'll, I'll get a new shirt or new something and I'll ask my wife, I say, how's that, how's that look? She'll say, well, that, that's very becoming. I'm like, becoming of what? You know, could be becoming of an idiot. I don't want to be that, you know. What is it very becoming of? I say, well, that, that looks nice. And then every once in a while, I'll try on something, you know, and she's like, ah, it's not very becoming. Doesn't fit you and your personality, you know. As we get older, we try to look younger, right? (laughs) Put some grease up there in the hair, you know, kind of get it looking good. Ah, that's not very becoming of a 44-year-old pastor, you know. Folks, if you would just ask that question on a daily basis, I want to live in a way that becometh us, a person who's trying to live Christ. And let him live through us. Number one this morning. Why should you be convinced to have an encounter with Christ? Because it confirms our relationships. Our relationship. John says, no. Jesus says, no, you let it be. Because it becometh us. But then watch this. The Bible says, suffer to be so. I'll give you the second thing and we're going to be done. 
For thus it becometh us to what? Fulfill. For thus it becometh us to fulfill. Now, here's the second and final reason this morning. I'm not going to give you the third. I think the Lord will have a stop on this one. Not only watch when Christ comes to us and makes his will known that we don't push back on it. I mean, it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what it is. Sometimes the Holy Spirit of God is going to lead you to do stuff, and you're going to say, well, Lord, I need you to give me a verse for it. No, listen, you don't always have to have a verse for it. As long as he makes it known to you, this is, hey, if the Lord told you today, don't ever wear blue socks again. And you say, man, I just felt very compelled today never to wear blue socks again. Then just don't wear them. All right? Get some good socks like mine. Socks that make people smile when you see them. Amen? doesn't matter what it is. Hey, go along with the will of God. Why? You're going to show the relationship. But then watch this. The second reason he told John, quit resisting. For thus it becometh us to fulfill. He says, John, you, you need to do what I'm telling you to do because there's a work that needs to be done. And number two, I want you to notice that John's encounter with Christ this morning was necessary because it completed a purpose. Not only did it confirm the relationship with Christ, but it also completed a purpose that Christ had for John. Oh, if you get anything this morning, would you please get this? I'm afraid we've gotten to a place to where our faith has become so mechanical that we have lost sight of what the mission was to begin with. All right, I'm supposed to be a voice of one crying in the wilderness. So we go up and down. All right, here's you a gospel track. Here's you a gospel track. Knock on this door. All right, I, I did the job. And we forget there's a mission behind it, not just go through the motions. He left us here for a job to do and something to be what? Well, what verse 15 says, fulfilled. Fulfilled. When I was a teenager, my dad took us to uh, Cape Kennedy down there and the Kennedy Space Center. And we're walking through and they had this sign, would you like to meet an astronaut? I'm like, absolutely. And so here the teenagers lined up and we stood in line and went in this room and this astronaut spoke. He's wearing the white suit and he spoke to us while we were there. Just a great, great encounter for us there. After it was over, I wanted to go up and get his autograph. And so my first question was, which mission did you fly on? As a kid, we lived for a long time in Ponte Vedra Beach, Florida. We could watch the, the shuttles go up from our house, saw this Challenger explode uh, when, I was in, in, uh, when I was six years old, kindergarten. We watched it go up, watched it explode. We could see it from our school. Went up to the, the astronaut afterward, and I asked him, which missions did you fly on? And he said, well, I've never been to space. Now, look, if you're one of those astronauts, I'm, I'm not picking on you, and I'm, I'm not uh, maligning you. Please understand that. I don't think we have any in here, but if, if there were, I'm not trying to do that. He says, I, I've trained and I've trained, but I've never, never been on a mission. And I got to wondering how many astronauts actually never go on a mission. There's quite a few who train and train and train and are never called up to go and to be part of a mission. They have the suit, they have the title, they have the training, but they've never, ever taken the trip. I think that probably describes a lot of the church today. We have the suit, we have the title, we have the training, but we've never been on a mission. We've never been on a mission. Why? Well, because it doesn't fit into our schedule. We keep hesitating. We don't have time. And because of that, we're never going to complete our purpose. You know, you read about the life of Christ, and we're going through that on Wednesday nights. We started last Wednesday. I'm going to try to go through it the entire year. You read about the life of Christ, he never lost sight of the fact that he had a mission to fulfill. Never lost sight of it. You see him as a child when mom and dad can't find him. What did he say? I believe in a respectful way. Wish ye not, I must be about my father's business. 
In John 9, what did he tell them? He says, the night cometh. I must work the works of him that sent me. The night's coming when we can't work. He was mission-minded. You think of out there in the Garden of Gethsemane. No matter how hard it got, he was mission my, Peter says, no, I'm not going to let them take you. And boy, old Peter gets all riled up and he says, get the hints. Get away from me. I don't want to hear that. Why? He was mission-minded. Mission-minded. Now, folks, hear me out this morning. The reason you ought to be convinced to have an encounter with Christ, to draw closer to Christ, and you ought to suffer it to be so now, it's because you're going to confirm a relationship with him, but it helps you complete your purpose purpose do you know every day that you spend resisting him no lord not right now i can't and you forbade him and forbid him no 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 not right now i'll do it tonight i'll do it on wednesday i'm gonna wait till the crowd is smaller no 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 every moment you do that is another moment you're not fulfilling what your purpose jesus says suffer to be so for it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness i can't help but think about a day that's coming first corinthians chapter three you ought to read it when you get home verse 13 the Bible says, where every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. We live in a society, don't judge me, don't judge me, don't judge me. All right, I can't judge you, but I promise you there's one who will. Lost, saved alike. There's a throne, great white one of the judgment seat. We're going to stand in front of one of them. You're going to be judged. All right? The Bible says our works are going to be tried by fire. All that we did, all that we said, all the time that we had, the opportunities that were squandered. And can I tell you what he's not judging? He's not going to judge how popular you were. He's not going to judge how much power you had. He's not going to judge how popular uh, you were in the eyes of men, how polished you were in the eyes of men. He's not going to judge you based on your perfection and how much you thought you had can I tell you what he's going to judge you on whether we fulfilled his purpose I gave you time I gave you opportunity I gave you health I gave you privilege we live in the United States of America we have so much liberty and opportunity here he says I gave you all of that did you fulfill your purpose well you know I I knew no 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 that moment there are no excuses there's none there's nothing we can say because as God tries our works by fire and we're gonna be I know it with all of my heart I'm gonna be clamoring through some of the ashes I know there's got to be more here I mean I'm 44 years old if the Lord were to come back I'm thinking Lord I started serving you at 15 surely I've got more that's here surely I did more that lasted for you and then all of a sudden you begin to realize we wasted so much of our life fulfilling our purpose rather than his purpose. And you realize that our purpose is going to burn. We're going to cry as we sift through those ashes. Look, Lord, there's got to be something. God, did I never do anything for you? Was my motive just for me? Was it my desires and my preferences? Is that all that I was doing? All because we were motivated not by fulfilling his, but fulfilling ours. Now, folks, hear me out. Hear me out. We stand before God on that day. Our mind is going to be so clear. Right now, I know we get distracted. And right now, I know the world has so much to offer. But folks, we got to think like we're going to think. Because one day, all that will matter is that we completed our purpose. 
every Sunday morning at 9 a.m., my phone dings. Now, I don't know who started it and why, but on my phone, I get this little thing. It says screen time. Anybody else get that? All right, I don't know who sends us that every Sunday, but they're faithful about it. You know, we can learn something from them. And it says screen time. And I quit clicking on it a while back. It came through this morning. It's probably still on there, screen time. And you get to see how much time you spent in different areas of your phone, you know? And unfortunately, this is, uh, this is a part of my life, and it's always with me. And so, boy, I begin going through it. What? Is it seven hours on the phone? Seven hours on the phone? You start looking, well, I, I spent, I have a Bible app on here, man. I spent three hours on that. Five hours social media, three hours on a game. Whatever. I don't know what it is, but whatever it is for you, you know what it is. One day you look up and you realize that little by little, little sawdust here, little sawdust there, you've used up the time, you've used up the opportunity, and yet you haven't done what he said in verse 15, fulfilled the purpose. Why? Because you forbade that encounter with Christ. Let me give you this before we close. Acts chapter 13, verse 22, gives us the account of David being called to be king. Here's what the Bible says about David. And when he had removed him, speaking of Saul, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart. Now listen close which shall fulfill all my will. Remember, David wasn't called because he was the strongest. He was not. David wasn't called because he was the most experienced, because he was not. David wasn't called because he was the, the greatest in stature, because he was not. Do you know why God called David? The Bible says, because he'll fulfill all my will. All my will. This morning... I want you to know that if you're excusing your service to God based on your preconceived qualifications or lack thereof, that also will not be an excuse. Because whatever God has called you to do, he's called you to fulfill. Based, not based on who you are or what you think you're capable of. Folks, this morning, I don't know what it is in your life, but I do know in my life what things cause me to push back when God makes his will known. You realize this morning, you ought to be convinced about having an encounter with Christ. You ought to be convinced now. Why? Because that's how you're going to confirm your relationship with him. You've been talking about him for a while. Why don't you start acting upon some of his will so people can tell, oh, that's what he's been talking about. Wait a minute, John's been preaching about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Wait a minute, is that him? John, you've got to follow through with it. Why? Because you've got to confirm, I'm who you've been talking about. Confirm that there's an us. Is there an us this morning? People look at you. Yeah, they're going to see you, and we can only do so much with what we got, right? They're going to see you. But boy, every once in a while, they ought to see Jesus. And they can tell, yeah, that's him, but there's an us there. Number two, you ought to accept the will of God this morning, and you ought to suffer it to be so now. Why? Because you've got a will of God to fulfill. Boy, there's a checklist up in heaven. God's keeping track, and one day, all that's going to be put down in front, and God's going to try it by fire. Why don't you decide this morning, I'm going to quit resisting. 
I'm not going to be hesitant. I'm not going to offer an excuse. I am convinced that I need an encounter with Christ. This morning, let's stand together with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. This morning, listen close. Let's try to keep our noise down as much as possible. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, you don't have that relationship. You can today. If you're here today and the Holy Spirit of God has made known to you that you have yet to trust Him as Savior, could I ask you this morning, would you quit pushing away? Quit forbidding that encounter? If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ but you want to be saved, that you could know your name is written down in the Lamb's Book of Life, you say, I'd like to have that encounter with Christ today. I want to pray for you. Nobody's looking around. Lift your, lift your hand right up. Put it right back down. I just want to pray for you. I've never had that encounter with Christ that begins a relationship with him, but I want that today. Just lift it up right up and right now. 